to Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle. This episode is Insights on ADHD. It's an interview with Kara Rock. She is a 2E or twice exceptional expert. She is a mother of three, including two, at least two, with ADHD. And today she's giving us a lot of insight into how to help your children who have ADHD and to help them thrive. So she talks about some accommodations that can be made. She talks about some challenges that she has faced, as well as a lot of tips on how to make things better. She also lists some of the many strengths that students, children with ADHD might actually have and that those strengths need to be recognized and nurtured. So listen in and hear all of her amazing wisdom. Without further ado, here is Kara Rock. Hi, Kara. Hello, it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. I wanna introduce everyone to my friend, Kara Rock. She is a 2E expert, a mother of three, including at least two with ADHD, which is why I've asked her to come on today and give us a little wisdom and expertise on ADHD and how to help our kids with ADHD. Um, is there anything else that you want to share as background information on your family or your kids before we dive into some of the questions? Sure. So I come from a history of family members who were undiagnosed and untreated with ADHD and other challenges. And when my boys were young, I started to notice that they had these traits, um, which I had learned about through my schooling. And I was an elementary school teacher for um, several years before my kids were born. And I decided I wanted to really support my kids in their schooling to make sure they didn't have the same kind of challenges as other family members had. Uh, and since then I have um, just really focused on being an advocate for kids with ADHD and kids who are twice exceptional, which is gifted with ADHD or other challenges. Um, and I really, I, I have seen how ADHD is missed and misunderstood. And I really hope that through the work I do, I can help shift our thinking about children with ADHD and how best to support them. I love it. Um, I was going to start with the tough stuff. What are some of the challenges of both parenting someone with ADHD, which maybe I should break this apart, but parenting them and, and really supporting their education? Great questions, because for me, the hardest part was when my kids were little and feeling left out, feeling like other people didn't understand, feeling like my kids' behaviors were unique and people looked at it as bad parenting. And that was very challenging. And this was before my kids were diagnosed. And uh, I would say for those early years in particular is to find other families that get it, other parents that get it 
because you're not alone in the journey. And I think having other people who understand that can be there to support you, support you in how you help your child is a key to keeping your own sanity and feeling like you aren't alone uh, because you truly are not alone. Um, and then I would say, you know, as far as school goes, becoming your child's best advocate, read books, look at, um, there are several websites or Facebook groups and pages that where you can read articles or there are, um, or they'll share books or suggestions just read as much as you possibly can to understand ADHD for yourself. And then also recognize that ADHD is hereditary and there may be family members with ADHD and try to understand where it might come from and how family members who may have undiagnosed ADHD, what kind of tools have they learned in life to help them persevere? Uh, so some of my favorite resources, um, one of my first was Attitude Magazine, and um, that's ADD, Attitude. Um, that is a wonderful resource. There's also CHAD, uh, which is Children and Adults with ADD. And uh, then there is understood.org, also has wonderful resources. And then from there you can, oh, the Child Mind Institute, that's the final one. Those all have wonderful resources that can take you further. Um, and yes, that's excellent. Um, all of your kids are in public school currently, correct? Correct. I've got my oldest is a sophomore in high school. Um, my middle is an eighth grader and my youngest is fifth grade. And um, my middle, we did send him for a few years to a Montessori school because he just was not fitting into the public school system. Um, he was several years ahead in many subjects. Uh, and aside from ADHD, ADHD often comes with other challenges and his is um, severe anxiety. And while they didn't notice it at school so much, it was always there making it challenging for him to speak up for himself and um, trying to do first grade material when he was at a fifth grade level uh, and him wanting to please the teacher and just do what she said was very frustrating. So. He was for a few years um, at private school, but for the most part, we've stuck with public. I was a public school teacher. I believe our public schools are wonderful as long as you can advocate for your kids. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I, I believe, and that's one of my issues kind of supporting parents who are homeschooling is I'm not against public school at all. I have seen some students who I find it very difficult to get them what they need in the public school because sometimes they need like a completely different schedule and a completely different curriculum and a completely different everything. And that can be a lot easier when people choose to homeschool. Um, but I definitely think that the public school does have a lot to offer. And most of those 
teachers do genuinely want to do the best. Sometimes they need some education themselves um, so that they understand when their expectations are inappropriate. Like um, I actually had a student come to me this year on an IEP and one of his goals was to stay seated. And I was like, no, we are not keeping that goal. Right. And the mom actually was defending the goal. She's like, well, he would get out of his seat and hit kids. I said, okay, well, the hitting kids is the problem, not the getting out of the seat. So we can address the actual problem, but he's allowed to get out of his seat. I refuse to put that as a goal. I'm not keeping it as a goal. You know, I'm no, that yeah. that's not appropriate. Um, and I told her, I was like, if you're making him spend all of his effort trying to stay seated, he's going to learn nothing. Like he needs to have that ability to move around in order to relax enough to listen and, and learn the, the material. So it's defeating the purpose. Like, you know, the more we try to like force something, the more problems we right. have. Absolutely. What kinds of um, accommodations in school have really helped your children be successful? Well, one of the very first things we did with my oldest when he was in, I believe it was second grade, was he would end up having to sit out at recess because of some behavior. And um, I advocated for instead of sitting at recess, he could, along with a friend, walk the perimeter of the playground. They could pick up trash or they could just talk, whatever, but he had to be moving because one, he felt like he was a bad kid and that was not true. And two, he needed social interaction because that was a challenge for him and he needed movement uh, to help his body. So that was one of the very first- And his brain. Kids yes. can't oh. learn if they're not moving. Exactly, exactly. So that was the, the very first thing, accommodation that we had, um, which made a huge change in how he felt about himself and how he was viewed by teacher. And um, that was fantastic. Other accommodations we've had over the years was alternative seating. So he had a wobble seat for a while. Um, the balls didn't work so well for sitting on, but having a standing desk, uh, being able to move to different locations to do work, um, you know, trying to, to have focused times. If, if he needed to get up to move to a different area to, to work, that's fine, but you couldn't be like every one minute moving to a new spot. Um, and let's see. Um, sometimes uh, extended time on homework assignments um, or tests if needed. Tests, typically my kids would do, be able to finish tests um, fairly quickly. Um, but as they've gone, gotten older, being able to reflect back on tests and to retake them because often the first time, especially with my oldest, um, his ADHD is the worst of my kids. And he will often just blast through a test because he doesn't know what to expect. And so he just goes through it. And then after he's done, he's like, oh, I really should have slowed down. And I, I now I understand what it was they were looking for. And so his high school is actually moving towards a model of um, kids. You 
can go back and retake things and redo their work because it's not about what do you know right at this very second? It's what do you know? How can you improve it and learn and then show that you really know it? And reading that, you know, part of that was for not was for second language learners or whatever. I said, oh my gosh, this is what every ADHD kid needs is that opportunity to test out because my oldest, that's the thing is I, I need to test everything. What does it look like if I do it this way or that way? Test it all out, try it and go, okay, I see what they are wanting now. Now let me do it. I understand. So. I love uh, that so much. It reminds me of, um, we learn about universal design for learning and it, they've kind of talked about like when you design something for the person with a specific need, usually everyone else benefits. So yes. exactly that, you know, they're designing it for the second language learners, but those with ADHD are benefiting and probably so is everyone else because you're right. Like the point of school is not to show what you know, it's to learn. And when we get stuck with the like, well, he failed the quiz, so he got an F, it's like, so then what did you do about it? Like, right. you know, there that we can't end the lesson there as, oh, he failed. Like, right, exactly. The point is to learn and to teach. So I love that. That is, that is awesome. Um, I, I, I'm always pushing for that kind of thing. The other thing I've, it reminded me of is I notice a lot of my students with ADHD do better when there's not multiple choice because they're yeah. so like they they just they'll just pick something they're like oh i think it's this but if they don't have multiple choice it kind of forces them to slow down and work something out although yeah. sometimes it it can cause some anxiety because if they don't know what to do they feel stuck and they can't you know just guess something so right so there's that, the, the balance there yes or in some cases, sometimes uh, multiple choice answers, there could be more than one answer. And my kids could say, yeah. well, if you look at it this way and you go this roundabout way, then this could be the answer. Okay, but that's not the real answer because they're not asking to go in this roundabout way, but that's how it works for their brains. But that's actually really good because also, I mean, they're doing a lot more of that with like the common core stuff where it is about critical thinking and they will sometimes have multiple correct answers, select all that apply yes. and you are supposed to analyze every right, single exactly. one of those. Yes. I do think is better than just straight multiple choice because I agree, like I remember in just myself in high school and stuff, like I would read questions and like, okay, I think they want this one, but really, you know, this is also true and this is true, like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I just thought of one other accommodation that has come up more um, recently is using voice to text when writing. And uh, that was always a big barrier for a couple of my kids where, oh, I just can't get it all out. There's so much in my brain. And so we started doing voice to text um, and it has just been remarkable. Um, so many wonderful changes for my kids. And you know, the, the voice text isn't perfect, but it, then it gives them an opportunity to go back and read through it and make their edits. And um, that has been a big change for my kids. Yes, that is one of my favorite accommodations that I'm always 
is one of my first suggestions. If I hear, oh, my kid hates writing. It's like, okay, have you done voice typing? Because, you know, just on Google Docs, it's free. You just click here. Yes. And it, it allow it takes away the fine motor, the spelling. It pauses the punctuation and capitalization at times. And it allows them to just get their thoughts out. So they can just focus on that, that part. And then they can go back and focus on, oh, I should move this part around and the capitalization and the punctuation. And like, you know, it, it allows them to separate out all the different skills of writing and make it a lot, a lot easier and more accessible instead of just like overwhelming. And, and yeah, you yeah. go from kids who write like three sentences with five words in each sentence to three pages because they can't, they can't tell you enough. Right, exactly. Yeah, I love that one. Um, so you've kind of given us some tips and accommodations. Are there any other tips that you have um, on how to make it, it smoother, maybe with like helping your child with homework or um, anything along those lines? Yes, yeah, so it changes as they go through the different ages. Um, some of the, the best things that helped us when my kids were younger was we had a, a structured schedule at home for homework, for example. So every day after school, they would have a snack, they'd play, and then we'd sit down and set a timer, a visual timer for them to see. And we, if we needed to do five minute segments, five minutes on, five minutes off, we would do that. And then we would gradually increase 10 minutes on, five minutes off, and so on. Um, but visual timers really help having a very clear, consistent schedule with the ADHD brain. It having that clear, consistent schedule is really a necessity when they're young in particular, they need to know what to expect, what's coming, what will happen next. So then there's no, there's no wishy-washiness of, okay, well this time it's this, but what if next time it's not like that? And oh, maybe I could instead try getting around it this way. So very clear, consistent schedule, having a timer, make sure they've eaten something, getting protein is really important. Um, hard boiled egg or a protein bar or a, a smoothie packed with some extra protein, very important to keep their brains uh, up and running. Uh, so that's for homework when they're younger, as they get older, what I realized is, um, depending on the kid, my oldest, by the time he was in junior high, he really was not wanting help from mom or dad. Um, actually dad, he'd prefer a little bit over mom at that point. Um, and then, so last year and as a freshman and first semester of sophomore year, we actually hired a math tutor for him, or rather we prefer to call him math coach because he felt like a tutor was not something he needed. Um, and now we're going to actually look into an executive function coach because uh, even though that's something that, that I am working on specializing in, he won't do it with mom. Right. So the right. older they get, reaching out for support from other people. Sometimes the schools offer it, but getting, it's tough to get the buy-in or it can be tough to get the buy-in from your kid. But if you can get a staff at school to help engage the student, 
they will get so much more out of it if they've got someone at school who they trust who says, no, oh, this is what you're doing because we know that you're a great student and this is here to help you be an even better student, make sure that you're understanding, make sure you're staying on top of your assignments. So when they're young, clear, consistent, and then as they get older, still you want that clear consistency, but it may, you may need to shift it to get support outside of your home just because teens want to learn independence. Yeah, I love all of that. Thank you. Um, what are some of the hidden strengths of ADHD? Oh, there are so many, so, so many. So people with ADHD, children, adults, often are very bright in many different ways. Um, you know, could be in the arts and it could be in math, could be in, in writing or reading or whatever. Um, science. Um, and so looking for the strengths of your child with ADHD and feeding that strength is so important. Whatever it is, feed it because often uh, ADHD, people with ADHD, their self-esteem can be lower because there's so much going, oh, don't do this. Don't touch that. You know, too much, too far, too fast. Um, and if you can feed that strength, whatever it is, uh, it can help give a boost in self-esteem. Um, another thing about their strengths is, you know, it could just be their creativity um, or maybe how they work with other people. Some people with ADHD are really amazing people. They're people people. <laughs> they like to be with people. They communicate well. Whereas others, my oldest son, he does not he likes to be by himself and with just one best buddy. And that's totally fine too. He's got other strengths. So anyway, look around for the, your child's strengths because they often are hidden because of the overabundance of challenges that may come with ADHD. Maybe it's learning challenges or their hyperactivity, their inability to keep their hands off of some someone or something or whatever it might be. But if you can feed that strength it's, it will help build your child in, in ways that they wouldn't get otherwise. So. I love that. Um, are there any myths about ADHD that you'd like to uh, post? Ah, <laughs> uh, the list is, is long. I, I mentioned one earlier, which is um, ADHD is just a result of bad parenting. And that is just not true. Uh, it is genetic. Um, and there are things that can exacerbate the, the challenges of ADHD. Um, I think if anything, parents do need extra support um, when you have a child with ADHD. And uh, like I said, that support can be just using resources online or joining a group online or um, following a page online or whatever you can to just feel like you're not alone, that you're not a bad parent. I also, um, when, I, when my boys were little, I, their coaching wasn't really a thing yet. And now there's coaching everywhere, parent coaching. And I myself am taking a parent coaching for 
parents of teens right now. And it has just been wonderful because it's filling in these little gaps um, that I didn't know what to do with. And so if you can find a parent coach that you can work with, someone who understands uh, families having challenges with ADHD, that would be the best place to go. Just having, and it can be group coaching too. It doesn't need to be one-on-one. There are often group coaching classes. Um, so highly recommend coaching so that you, you know it's not about being a bad parent, but learning skills specific to how do I help support my child with ADHD is important. Um, another one is that to have ADHD, you have to be hyperactive and only boys have ADHD and neither of those are true. Um, there's inattentive type ADHD where a child could seem to be paying attention in class, they're very quiet, but really their mind is in 10,000 places instead of in the classroom. And um, girls do have ADHD and it's often missed because they often will have an attentive type. Um, and I was never diagnosed as a child, but as I've grown and learned about my own kids, I have ADHD and that's why I look back like, oh my gosh, that this is where I had this challenge. I didn't understand why these certain things were so challenging for me. Well, ta-da, <laughs> there you have it. It is real, but missed. I was a good student. I, I was kind. I was, didn't get in trouble. And so, um, those are, those are a few, oh, one more <laughs> was they just, kids just need to try harder. It's because if they, they're ADHD, they just have to try harder. And that is, they are trying so hard to, to contain their, their, energy to contain their thoughts, to contain their movements. It's not about trying hard. They're already trying hard. Um, so it, dispelling that myth is important. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's very important that um, we, and like you were talking about with your son earlier, you know, we've got these like ideas of punishing kids for things and we don't always think through what we're doing and why we're doing it and what the result of that would be. Like, you probably shouldn't stick an ADHD kid to sit during the time that he's supposed to be moving because he desperately needs to move. And right. there's zero benefit to doing that. He's not learning anything except, like you said, feeling like he's a bad person. And that's that should never be the lesson. So I think we really need to be mindful of some of our choices in how we are disciplining. And when I say disciplining, it needs to be about teaching, not about punishing. Yes. Um, I, you know, I had just found this quote um, being shared online. And uh, this is, I think, perfect is every time you think of calling a kid attention seeking this year, consider changing it to connection seeking and see how your perspective changes by Jody Carrington. And I do think it's really about perspective. And if you can shift your perspective instead of thinking that your child is doing something for a reason to be, you know, 
outrageous, rambunctious, whatever, change your perspective. And what is it this child is trying to, to share? What is this child needing? Maybe the child is needing some attention, but doesn't have the language to, to ask for it. Yeah. Um, so. And seeking attention doesn't need to be a bad thing. Like you said, it's really about connection. Like, yes. hey, I'm here. I, yes, I need exactly. some validation. And yeah, some kids need more of that than others. Absolutely. So we have to yes. give kids what they need. It's not like there's a, oh no, you're full. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. I love all of that. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out more about what you're doing and um, get in touch with you if they have more questions or anything like that? Yes, so right now I'm mostly uh, on Facebook. I have a page called 2E Families, ADHD and Beyond. And you can find me on there. I post articles I find and questions, or you can send me an email at 2efamilies at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from anyone if you have any questions, if you see a post on Facebook and please chat with me there. And um, thank you so much. I'd love to share and, and collaborate with others. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.